Welcome to another edition of the Week Den Update. I'm your host, Will Walker, and joining me as he does every week, it is John Kraft. Welcome, John. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today, and not all of it is going to be very fun, but we have to get into it. The Grizzlies record, as it stands currently, is 10-6, and which is good for third in the Western Conference. That is good for fifth in the NBA. Offensive rating is right at 113, which is 11th in the NBA. Defensive rating at a 112.2, which is 19th in the NBA. And the net rating right now is at a .8, which is 13th in the league. Point differential per cleaning the glass is at 2.4, which is good for 10th in the league. We are going to start with the news. John, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So, um, so, so big news at the beginning of the week, uh, Came as a pretty big surprise to me on uh, November fifteenth that Desmond Bain uh, came out that he was to be reevaluated in two to three weeks with a grade two sprain of his right big toe. Uh, he suffered it against Minnesota. I'm not even sure. I don't think I know. You know, going back and looking at a couple things, I didn't couldn't see when it was injured. But uh, but that was a big surprise because I think he was listed as doubtful along with Jaw. And I think most of us speculated that it was kind of just a rest game for him, but it ended up not being a rest game. It ended up actually being a real injury. And even uh, seeing him last night on the sidelines with the big, huge boot. Uh, and, you know, and that doesn't mean anything. I think the timeline's still two, three weeks. But anytime you see a player with a boot, you uh, get nervous uh, as well. But that's that's actually been but that's obviously been a big deal. And of course, um, you know, loved your your tweet about just that it doesn't seem like we're ever Death taxes and never having five starters. It's crazy. It uh, is actually crazy. I I actually went on and um I saw that Jeff Stotts, who I've referenced on the podcast before, who's kind of the the injury database guy uh, for the NBA. He he had a podcast recently that he he released, and part of the conversation topic was about Desmond Bain's injury. It's really funny too, coming off of last week's podcast when I definitely made fun of the injury itself as just the listing as like yeah. toe I was like oh wow that was very creative of the Grizzlies well it turns out it's real and yeah. he said that the big toe is like the thumb where there's just not as many joints as all of the other uh, to all the other toes and he said a grade two sprain is basically a hyperextension upward uh, of the big toe. And he said that grade two means it's a partial tear of the involved ligaments. And he said too, you know, the, the, the tweet or the press release said reevaluated in two to three weeks. And he unfortunately was a little bit pessimistic on the amount of time. He, he said that he doesn't have a ton of these grade two toe sprains in his database, but that normally when he sees something like this, it is for football and it's a little bit longer than that time period, which I thought it was very important wording when they said reevaluated in two to three weeks. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be rough not having Bain, especially given his offensive production. And we're going to get into that a bit more, but yeah, praying for healing for Desmond yes. Bain because the Grizzlies need it very soon. Yes, definitely. Uh, the next uh, bit of news we have, and that this was the night of the Pelicans game, uh, and it kind of became a big uh, Twitter topic and just a, a big uh, topic locally and just honestly nationally because Grizzlies played on TNT. And before the game, Charles Barkley – uh, basically uh, was being asked, and it was actually after Shaq saying that he believes Jaw is going to be the best player in the MB- NBA in two to three years, 
which is pretty cool coming from somebody just saying that Jaw is going to be the best, um, to which, you know, people throw out Luca and Giannis and other people. And Shaq was like, no, yeah, it's going to be Jaw. So pretty fun. Uh, but Charles said this, and I, and I actually do want to quote him here. Uh, he says this, the next evolution for Jaw is learning how to make the players around him better. Barkley said before Memphis's game against uh, New Orleans that when you're a great player, you can get your shot at any time you want to. I don't think he's added that to his game yet. Sometimes when you make a play, you have to be thinking to yourself, I can go around this guy, but I need to get this guy going or I need to get this guy um, going. Uh, and like basically uh, it's, it was very interesting and, and I can get to the response. I know Jenkins basically called it nonsense at one point. He, he also had a kind of longer quote that I don't need to read, but basically just talking about uh, him seeing how, how much of a leader and how much of a teammate jaw is. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, if you want to respond to this, I, I mean, my thing is just my thought was kind of seeing how much Josh scores, how much he shoots his usage rate. And it was kind of an easy, uh, just narrative that I think Charles was just kind of pulling out of the air to get a, do a talking point. Um, I think anybody who watched the Grizzlies up close realizes that jaw is, uh, that that's actually one of his better qualities is he makes his teammates better. Uh, you know, I actually, you know, I get frustrated with the whole, when he sit the, the record, when he sat and how good we've been. And I even think that, uh, you can get credit for off the court because I actually think he's like sort of an assistant coach on the bench. I actually think he's really great getting our team to play better, even when he's not playing. And so, so anyway, so, I, so on that, just pure notion, I just think it was kind of silly, but it ended up gaining a lot of traction. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Oh my gosh. I thought it was ridiculous. And I think that you have to put it in perspective because the way that I see Charles Barkley and the TNT guys is you should not go to these guys for analysis ever. They don't, yeah. they don't watch the game unless right. it's the one right in front of them for that night. Um, I, I think it's important. You know, I, I love when we get praise from, from guys that are in the national scene. And yet at the same time, I don't really put any weight behind Shaq saying that Jaws is going to be the best player in a couple years. I just think that's like, very sweeping statements from both of them, one positive, one negative, that, you know, one of them for sure could be true. Like, we could see Ja ascend, and I th- but the other one is just plainly not true. And let's look right. at the just the numbers themselves on the court and how much he gets his teammates involved, mm-hmm. the plus-minus numbers when he's on the court versus off. Right. I think you can compare him to Steph Curry in this way, where you're seeing Steph just have like this unbelievable scoring season. But just because you're scoring a lot and have the ball a lot, it doesn't mean that other teammates aren't benefiting as well. If anything, they might benefit more in some cases. Right. And uh, I also think that the way that Jenkins responded, I thought was really cool when he was focusing even on the intangibles, like you mentioned. So like, there's so much that goes into making teammates better. And I think for Barkley to come out and just like give that general statement was just not, it wasn't good analysis, plain and simple. And I, I think that they are there for entertainment and everybody should understand that. And I don't think there should be like a big reaction, positive or negative in in general. Well, and, 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 you know, I I think for me, the, the main frustration comes that Barkley talks Luca up all the time. And I just think it's funny because I think both, when you look at like analytics, playmaking, uh, both jaw and Luca are off the charts, you know, by all like kind of statistical measures. Uh, But on the eye test and the watching the game test, um, you can tell people like uh, people don't love playing with Luca. I mean, I think they like winning. They they love Luca's talent. Um, are 
everyone who's ever played with jaw loves playing with jaw. And I, you know, anybody who's played pickup basketball, anybody who's played organized basketball, uh, you can tell when, uh, People who you love to play with people that make you better, that pass the ball, that get you involved. Um, and I think even Barkley's comments were shown to be dumb five minutes in when you multiple times had jaw almost like uh, aggressively pointing for Jaron uh, to go to a certain spot because he was trying to get Jaron going in his first game back. So, yeah, anyway, it, it'll be interesting to see any fallout. And I'm, I'm I will guarantee that Barkley will not back down from this because he generally no. doesn't back down from a take when he has one. I know. So. It's just annoying because I don't want this to be, a, I don't want there to be this jaw Barkley narrative 100%. that's coming, but I, but it, it looks like it's going to be coming because it looks like producers or Barkley and Shaq or whoever decided that Shaq's going to be the jaw guy and now Barkley's going to have to be the criticized jaw guy. It's just noise. It's yeah. noise. Well, um, yesterday we had a couple of pieces of news. The first one was not necessarily a hard and fast news item, but I wanted to mention it. There is a lot of, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago on this podcast where uh, Jim Strickland had proposed an almost $700 million renovation plan to um, a lot of sports arenas around the city. Uh, Most importantly, FedEx Forum and the Simmons Bank Stadium, which is the Liberty Bowl, were at the top of the list. And I think that there was some reporting on when the you know different arenas had proposed different renovation ideas. The one that they haven't heard back from the in, in terms of the city itself was the the Grizzlies and about FedEx Foreman what they wanted to do. And Tim Buckley of the Daily Memphian went in and looked at a bunch of arenas around the uh, the nation, specifically the Indiana Pacers who recently underwent a renovation project a couple of years back and said that that one costs around 300 a bit more than 300 million to to renovate majorly and he said that that would be you know the largest percentage portion probably of that 684 million dollar uh, project for the city. Basically, the the news is the Grizzlies have not gotten back to the city or the state yet on what they want to do. But the point is, it's going to probably take up the majority of the funding. I think it probably should. I know that they announced the USFL was coming back, the Memphis Showboats. I know that the uh, 901 FC team wants its own arena and AutoZone Park needs its own renovations. But when you talk about the impact on the city, I think it's hard to argue with the fact that the Grizzlies are the most important team in Memphis and that their arena is getting to a point where it's a little outdated. And so I would be surprised if the largest portion of the pie didn't go to the Grizzlies for this. And obviously we know the importance of football, uh, just kind of national impact, uh, where where a lot of the money is. But at least locally here, uh, the – the Grizzlies, you know, I think, I mean, we can have an argument. That'd be a fun podcast argument about the Tigers versus the Grizzlies sometime. But, uh, but I think the Grizzlies is super important. I think Memphis Tigers basketball is still, um, locally the most important, uh, the most followed of the college sports. Both of them use the arena and even, and honestly, um, if any of y'all had, uh, yourselves or spouses or friends that were struggling to find Taylor Swift tickets, um, you know that uh, that also one of the things that's happened is we we're getting less concerts in FedEx Forum because you know of the lack of lower bowl seats, less you know it being an older stadium. So I mean, I just think all three of those things point to the FedEx Forum being a really really necessary renovation if we're going to get money to do something. Exactly. So. Um, a couple 
more things. The uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., which we're going to talk about in depth in just a few minutes, did come back for the Pelicans game. I wanted to to mention that. That was his first game back, and then his second game was last night against the Thunder. But really, we've buried the lead uh, long enough, which is that John Morant, at the very end of the game against the Thunder last night, uh, came down wrong on his ankle when he was turning uh, to grab a rebound and was going to make his way the other way. The game at that point was just to the point where it was almost out of out of reach for the Thunder, and Job ja presumably was going to just complete out the game in those last few minutes. Yeah. And it was like one shot from Hammer Nail Coffin. Exactly, basically. exactly. Yeah. And he, uh, for what it's worth, had been listed as doubtful and was ultimately out against the Wizards earlier in the week with left ankle soreness. We we saw that happen as well at the Timberwolves game uh, where he was limping but then came back in. And we I think we commented on it on this podcast last week. But then um, he went out of the game, couldn't put any weight on it, was walked to the locker room. And there were a few quotes afterwards, notably from Brandon Clark, which said he was putting weight on it. Ja has had a few social media posts about it. But at this point, very moment when we're recording right now we don't know anything we we if there is some big news that comes out between now and when we publish this podcast you'll probably hear that uh around this time here and so we will insert that talk right now but we'll see if it actually happens so john would you what what were your thoughts about yeah so i mean the so initially uh seeing that it came right after he he jumped up in the air for a rebound, made me very nervous. Uh, seeing that he landed, and then it was really him, you know, sort of moving laterally and stepping on Lou Dort's foot, and not just him landing straight on, you know, basically jumping really high and then landing on his ankle wrong. That made me feel a little better about it. Um, obviously, you never, you, you, it's always hard when a guy cannot put any weight on it. That makes you think it's it's potentially a little more damaged, although you know you never know. Um, and Jaw has been known to overreact, uh, like or make make an injury look way more devastating than it really is. So, and that's in that way, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I I think you know, for me, my optimism still would say like a minimum of a week, week and a half, he's going to be out, and then the hope is just that it's not three, four weeks. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm sure every TV exec in the world is looking right now and saying, are we going to have a Grizzlies team without Bain or John Moran on Christmas day? And that's like, that would be like the really, I think that would just be like the devastation, but I don't expect that. I still have optimism that both Bain will be back. Um, um, maybe even Zaire will be back, but then the jaw wouldn't be gone that long. I, I don't see this being like a month plus, but hopefully Hopefully not. Uh, hopefully I'm right and that it's only like a week, maybe two weeks. Yeah, ankle injuries are the hardest to predict because yeah. they are they can so far range from being minor to major, and the major ones are pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Ja, the way that he plays is he needs basically to be fully healthy to me and to, to really be as effective as possible. And we can see maybe into the future where as he develops his shot a bit more that he will basically be able to play when he's not quite at a hundred percent and still be as effective, but his athleticism, the way that he uses his body, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just critical that he has to have his legs under him. He has to have both ankles working properly. Wow. And so I am basically looking at it long term and 
these regular season games coming up here in the next few uh, weeks. They're important. I think Christmas, we obviously want him back, and that's long enough away where I feel optimistic without knowing anything as of right now mm-hmm. about that. But yeah, I, I think it's a long-term play here. There's no reason to rush him back, especially when a bunch of other guys are, are hurting right now. Yeah. Well, let's get into talking about the last week's games, and I think that we have to look at it through the lens of the injuries. And Kraft, let's just let's just talk big picture first. I mean, what what happened last week that mattered? Moving right. forward, what can we see that matters? And what is the narr- what are the narratives yeah, that we, so, we are seeing? So, out I mean, there? one thing uh, that has been frustrating me. Is and this you know and I, it's not frustrating. One of the things I love about this podcast, uh, you know, I guess, talk about our own podcast is that we do it once a week, uh, you know, and it's a weekend up weekend update because we kind of want to take two or three pictures and kind of get a view of the whole week. Because one of the problems when you just do gamers when you have to react post games is you're really at you know kind of the emotion of that moment, and and so for me, uh, like. I believe at the beginning of this, you read, uh, what are we in the West right now? We're, we're, we're third th- and by half ourselves and fifth and in half, the league. And if the, and if the Blazers lose tonight, which they very well could, they're playing, um, uh, that we would be tied for first, correct? In the Western conference. Yes, yeah, we would. Yes. Yeah. And if you listen to, um, sort of the talk of this week coming off a wizard's loss where we, where we did not play Bain, did not play jaw, did not play Jaron. And and then a and then a Pelicans loss where um, and we'll get to that in a minute where I think the Pelicans shot really well we did not shoot well and 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 the and missing Bain definitely you felt it but it it all of a sudden became this sort of sense of you know did the Grizzlies make a big mistake letting Bain letting Melton and Kyle Anderson go you know are they playing the rookies too much look at this roster construction we don't have enough shooting guards and and one of the things that I just like. Uh, the Grizzlies, when they do not have their top three players, their core three players, and Jaron, Ja, and Bain, are just not going to win many games. Because guess what? Every single NBA team, when they don't have their core three players, are not going to win many games. And in fact, if teams without their core three players do win a lot of games, that probably means they're they're more just like like a Jazz team maybe now or a Spurs team where they don't really have a core three or two or three best players, but they just have a lot of good players, um, which is a team that does not win a title. And, and so part of that is we're trying to become a team that wins a title. And by doing that, it means having a lot of really great players and then balancing them with elite role players like a Steven Adams, like a Dylan Brooks. Um, But then you have to make calls about, do we pay people like Melton when we can pay, a lot of younger people and develop them and maybe some of them can become as good as mountain. And Oh, by the way, we have someone in Conchar who last night got 19 and 10. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, which by the way, I mean, I don't know how many 19 and 10 games that Melton had, but we tend to be like, Oh, but Conchar played poorly against the Pelicans and make that kind of a big referendum on the season. And so for me, part of it is just thinking like, uh, it sucks to lose. It sucks to lose the Pelicans. I did not like it, but we kind of have to have sort of a long-term outlook with which with all the injuries had all the turmoil. I mean, we come on this podcast every week and we end up doing the news way too long <laughs> because of all this stuff. We are half a game out of first in the West. 
uh, nobody is running away with it. Like the only regret I have is we'd already be two or three games in first if we actually were fully healthy. And I'm sure there are a lot of other Western Conference teams saying the same thing. Uh, but but I think, you know, so all that said, going forward, are we going to lose some games that I think were wins if we don't have Jaw, if we don't have Bain? Probably so. I'm very excited that we've now got Jaron back. Um, but also at the same time, we were nine and ten last year. By the way, we already have a better record than we did last year. You know that season where we won fifty six games, and uh, we were nine and ten last year. And Jaw went out, and none of our other players on our team were playing that great at the time. Jaw Jaron was playing pretty good defense, not amazing defense, and collectively they came together and went on this huge streak. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen if Jaw and Bain are out for an extended period of time, but I am going to say that this is an opportunity for all of our role players to like to step up. And and I think these are the kind of moments that allow Azair to get some some run, you know, like last year and kind of get do some things that then show fruit in the playoffs later or a Brandon Clark get a more run, be have more importance during the regular season at a time when people are injured that shows up in the Minnesota Timberwolves series. And so part of it is, does, you know, coming out of this, if we don't have John Bain for a while, are we going to lose some games? Yes. Is that because we have a depth problem and our front office messed up by getting rid of, of Melton and Anderson? Well, no, because nobody, nobody would win games if they're two best players on offense are out like nobody wins players. I mean, nobody wins games that way. And I just think that's sort of, uh, you know, a referendum, the referendums that we're having this week, if jaw had not gotten injured, nobody would be having referendums this weekend. When Conchar had a great game, when Jaron looks awesome, when we scored plenty of points. Um, and so that's kind of my rant of just, uh, like I love talk radio. I listen to it. Um, but, but as far as fans go, you know, don't be a prisoner of the moment because it might be a struggle these next couple of weeks. But that doesn't mean that like the roster construction's bad or we're not going to be good in the playoffs. Might it affect our seeds? Maybe because the Western Conference is really good. But uh, but it's just no reason to despair. Yeah, I think that's that's well said. Uh, for what it's worth, Zaire the the sooner side of the four to six weeks on his injury, it was at November 23rd, which is just a few days from now. And so could we see Zaire make a return sooner rather than later? It's kind of like you're replacing two guys that were healthy to start the season in John Bain with Jaron and Zaire this week. So two in, two out. It's not a perfect, you know, <laughs> John Bain's usage is a little bit higher than Zaire yes. and Jaron, so it's not perfect in that way. But, I mean, it gives another opportunity for you to right. step up and, and see what happens with those guys. I'd, okay, let's, let's talk about the depth piece because the, the moves that were made – her, Zach Kleiman himself, were about the playoffs and were about half-court offense. Yep. And if you look last season, who were the frustrating players in the playoffs? And if you made a list of those players, you have to put Melton and Kyle on it at some level. Right. Number one, because Melton did play better in the Warriors series, but you could see his struggles in the Wolves series. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to last year and see the major struggles, just hitting shots and, and yeah. shots that were open for him. Kyle... You swing it around, and you need a guy who can knock down shots in the corner of Kyle Anderson. We saw it in the Minnesota game yeah. where we beat him, where Minnesota 
this season where Kyle was the highest usage on the team and it didn't look good at no. all. And so I think that you have to understand, yes, these players are... I, I was looking actually at the on-off uh, lineups last... Or not on-off, but the lineups last season without John Morant, which you're going to hear this a lot in the next week. We went 20-5 and five without Ja last year. The mm-hmm. best lineup was, in terms of in terms of differential, was Tyus, Melton, Dylan, Kyle, and Steven Adams. That was the best lineup. It didn't play the most... But it was the best in terms of point differential. The most played lineup was Tyus, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron, and Steven Adams. The second most played lineup was Tyus, Bain, Conchar, BC, and Jaron. So the two most played lineups, one of them had a pretty good rating. The other with with uh, Conchar and BC mainly did have a negative rating. But both you still have all of those players. And so right. it's not like you lost everyone. I think it is worth saying that with the functional depth of Melton and Kyle in the regular season, you will be able to patch up an injury a lot better. Right. But at the same time, we have to look at a Desmond Bain this season differently than we look at him last season. Bain has already shown he's taken a leap. John and Bain have accounted for 47% of the Grizzlies' points per game so far this season. And they're winning. And so you can't ignore that basically pushing the poker chips over to the guys that matter. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have them, yeah, the, the losses are going to be more catastrophic, but don't you want a team that is going to go all in and focus right. without actually having to go all in financially? Mm-hmm. But don't you want a team that's more focused on what works both in the regular season and in the playoffs? I think it's worth taking small step back right. to look ahead. Now, we can definitely debate, like, whether or not they needed to make the move with Melton this year. Right. That is a debate, and I'm willing to hear the counter-arguments. But I'm with you in the in the fact that, like, let's not freak out here. Like, we are going to lose some games without our two best players. Right. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where the Grizz Den podcast goes to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. But, and that's and that's where I think it's very easy to get caught up and it is like the win loss record, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, I mean, this is like a Robert Perry at the end of the day, you look at the win loss record and it tells you, and I, th- and I think that is true, but I think on the, like when you look at a long term, uh, that some L's lead to more W's and, and some of this is, and you see us with the Milwaukee bucks, you saw it with coach bud beginning to actually not play drop in the regular season, the year they won the championship and actually start to play switch defenses and try some things because he was getting people prepared for the playoffs in a similar way. What is the thing that people get upset about Jaren about all the time? 
He's not aggressive enough on offense. Well, guess what he's going to have to be for the next two, three weeks? Very aggressive because we're going to need him to score 20-plus points a night if we have any chance of winning. And that could end up being a great thing to get him used to being aggressive so that when John Bain come back, um, that they that he, that he can stay aggressive and that now we have three players – all aggressive offensively, you know, and, and things like that. I mean, that's like one little example, but, but there's a sense in which I think Conchar, you know, last night played in a way that he knew I've got to score. I've got to put up shots because we don't have Bane. And it took him a game. Like, I think he didn't have that mentality in Pelicans game. But we want Conchar having that mentality going forward. And so I just think things like that. And, like, obviously we talk about the development. Like, yes, we're taking we're, – we're getting L's. We're getting a lot of minuses in the plus minus because of Roddy and LaRavia right now. But, like, this is a good thing. We saw it with Zaire last year. Um, I wish we weren't having to play two rookies this many minutes and, and now a third rookie – in Kennedy Chandler, probably more minutes. I wish that wasn't the case. But the positive is that this is development for down the road. Unfortunately, it probably means, you know, some losses we don't want or, you know, uh, now. But I just think like having sort of that more long term and because I think uh, fans like to immediately say we're losing the front office messed up. We shouldn't have done this. We need this player back instead of like you know, what are the potential gains that we could have and just and just sitting back in what you said, which is just we're not like when forty seven percent of your points per game is gone, uh, you're gonna trouble you're gonna struggle to score. That's just the fact of the matter. And not to mention we're taking up a roster spot with Danny Green, who we know going we knew going into the season is gonna be injured. Right. That is an upgrade potential that you can use right. if you really, really need something in a pinch, like Danny Green's a great contract. Tillman is still considered to be a young player that you can use and obviously not in the rotation mm-hmm. right now. Um, the problem is is you you have a lot of front court depth right now. Right. You need more back court depth. Right. So And that's you know, and that and that and you can and like I said, we can I think uh there's debate to be had about whether the Melton trade we needed to make it now, maybe we could have made it later. Um and and as well as like just hey, we pro- maybe we should have had one more guard. But I think if we were sitting here and, uh, you know, and J- when Jaron was injured and we, we felt it one game and Steven Adams was injured and then, like, let's say Tillman also gets injured, well, then we'd be talking about, man, why didn't we get one more forward on the, you know, why don't we have, uh, why did we spend all the these picks on wings? Like, why didn't we get one more big guy? And so I just think that's, and, and in fact, like, frustratingly I feel like I heard that <laughs> when Adams and Jay were out we were like man we should have maybe maybe we need one more big guy you know and and now of course everybody's saying man may, maybe we need one more shooting guard in the lineup and for me it's just yeah we we just have a lot of injuries and that's what happens and I don't know if you can necessarily plan on that yeah I mean would you rather be in a situation where the best starting lineup everyone healthy you could trot out there is still not good enough or would you rather have a starting lineup that you know can be good, but you just have pieces that are injured. Like that's where we're sitting right Right. now. It's not like we can't be good. We just need everybody healthy. And in the last two, so all of last season in the regular season, plus this season so far, our starting five, which is Ja, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Steven Adams, and Jaron Jackson Jr. have only played 230 possessions together. To put that in perspective, there's a hundred possessions in each game. Like, That's all. And they were plus 25 in those 230 right. possessions. So, like, 
like this historically, is a team that like, can win. like a tw- you know, 2016, 17 Warriors, 90, <laughs> 93, 94 Bulls, like historically good plus 25. We're just snake bit right now, folks. Yes. We're just snake bit. Yes. But we'll see. So, and, and you know, and, and, and again, obviously, feel free to just live it day by day as a fan and, and go with the ups and downs. But I just, I want to give a little people a little bit more positivity of that like one great thing is and i think some of this is if you've been a long time grizzlies fan we're not used to this we're not used to having an organization that thinks long term in this way that develops players um and so i think that's part of as a fan just adjusting to the fact that like because it used to be for us it's like Margasol is out conley's out and it's just kind of like well crap we're just going to lose games and you know everything like that where actually now there's an excitement with now we have the opportunity for some of our younger players to get more roles. And, and that means we're not going to look great, but these are like, it's good development. Hey, you know, maybe we'll get a fun, you know, Roddy game where we win a game we're not supposed to because he goes big or, you know, that we just continue to see Jaron do what he did last night, which I mean, you talk about in a second. And, and so I just, I hope that people can get excited about these things because I do think there's a plan and like that, that so we can know that even when we take these short term L's, that Jenkins and the front office are going to use these to make us better, you know, in the future. And I think that's what it's exciting about being a Grizzlies fan right so now. So you're saying we don't need to go out and sign Ben McLemore right now to show <laughs> up our debt? Correct. No, uh, you know, do not expect, I, I would be surprised, do not expect a panic trade for uh you know for an eric gordon or a jordan clarkson or something like that that doesn't mean we might not trade for them by the deadline because we might feel like you know maybe danny green's not coming back like we want and other things but but i just think like that's just not how we work we're gonna now plug in our young players and let them take uh their lumps and and i think that's we we grizzlies haven't done that in the past and so it's new but but you know it's but i think we can enjoy that the process i guess all right let's Let's basically go through the last games in the prism of, because we spent a lot of time there, which was important time to spend on just talking big picture, but let's talk through like the biggest positive, the biggest negative from the last week. And I think we should start with Jaron. I think that he showed a lot of who he was defensively in the Pelicans game and then came out in the Thunder game last night and was just absolutely torching. Uh, everyone out there. It was it was so awesome to see in the first two minutes of the game. He had a block, he had a three, and he had an alley oop. Like it was the full Jaron experience. Really quickly, he came out and set records in terms of um, just the amount, his stat sheet in general. Just having you know the block steals he had, rebounding out there. Uh, granted, I think it's important context that the Thunder don't exactly have the strongest front court. In the league, and they even had Poku, who went out in the middle of the second half with uh, an injury, and so it was even yes. thinner for them down right. there. But those are these are the types of games where Jaron coming off an injury is already it feels like mm-hmm. ramped up, and this was the perfect perfect game for him to get yeah. right. I, I was, I mean, national TV, you have a lot of eyes on you, and when you don't make shots, it's 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 tough in that spot. But I think the Thunder game was a perfect get right yeah. spot for Jaron, and, and he's back. Yeah, that's what I saw. No, and, and and that you know, I mean, obviously, I think all the caveats they don't have a good front court, but uh, but twenty seven and twelve and all NBA level defense. I mean, that is that's that's like that's top ten player in the league numbers, and that and that's not. I mean, and and you know, the dream is in at some point in his career, Jaron gets like does that 
like, uh, you know, multiple games in a row, like that's sort of his averages. I don't know if he's ever going to get there, but that it was a great, and I think, and one thing, I mean, I I will say that I I do want to slow my excitement about it because of the lack of front court, but the, there is an aggressiveness to his moves in the paint and to his going after rebounds that is new to me. And that was very exciting to see like him just like, I just have never seen him be so aggressive on the boards and kind of physically uh, sort of push people around. And, and do you see his I'm, quote after the game about that, by the way? No. So let me know about it. No, he's uh, Steven Adams. He credited with this. He okay. said that he's been watching Steve for the last year and change and that he's actually been working with him to work on his positioning in terms of rebounding and the way that Steve plays uh, just in terms of like, you know, finding the angles, but also using strength as part of his game. So I thought, I was like, well, that yeah. makes Steven Adams worth it uh, just for See, that See, you tell me to take, I'm, I'm wanting to take all the caveats away, you know, so n- n- don't, n- I'm not going to care about the Thunder front court. Like, Jaren's just going to be amazing on the boards now, but uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, I do think it was exciting just to see him make some threes because I think after having sort of a down year last year, I think a lot of people were worried about that, and that was exciting. Just see, you know, just see him look look like uh, what we think he can be, which is just like a good three point shooter, you know. Yeah, one of the negatives for me continues to be Roddy. Uh, I keep wanting him to to turn the corner and to show a, a few more flashes. And I was actually interested in this because I, Harrington, and I've heard it from some other places, but basically the front off, or excuse me, the coaching staff is essentially treating Roddy as more of a like two three replacement in the rotation, and Laravia more in the front court. And I pulled some numbers on from cleaning the glass in terms of where they've spent their time on the court. And right now, as we speak, David Roddy has spent 54% of his time at small forward and 44% of his time at power forward. In the time where he's spent, uh, where he's on the floor as a small forward, our differential is minus 26 or his on off differential is as a power forward. It's only, it's only minus 2.5. And so he just, in general, you can see he plays much better in the offense when he is at the four. LaRavia, on the other hand, only spends 39% of his time at, at small forward, but 61% of his time at power forward. He has a p- plus 12.9 differential at small forward and a minus 5.3 at power forward. So what I'm saying is, let's switch it around, guys. The numbers play it out. And I'm hoping the coaching staff sees it. And, so. I mean, Roddy, also, if you look at like lineups and our best lineups, we have a... A pl- now this is not a ton of sample, but a plus seventy four point one differential when he is playing the four with Ja, Conchart, Dylan Brooks, and Stephen Adams, and then Loravi on the other hand has a plus thirty three point two when he's playing the three with Tyus Bain, BC, and Stephen Adams. So like these are still I mean Roddy's that's slotted in with the with the starting lineup, but Loravi it's slotted in with the with the uh, backups, and he's still playing so positively when he's at the three. So I'm really hoping we can at least switch it around. If we're going to play these guys, let's play them in right. a position where they've obviously shown that they can thrive. Yeah, it's weird to me because it does feel like they're seeing Laravia as a four and Roddy as a three. And I just feel like, you know, if anything, Roddy, from those numbers, I mean, it f- makes me feel like he is more of a sort of uh, hopefully a better offensive like P.J. Tucker-ish type player who plays – 
who plays bigger than he is. And I think LaRavia, as we've seen defensively, and I know Ty and you, and, and you, Ty's pointed that out in y'all's podcast, he moves his feet really well and he stays in front of people well. So, I, I mean, I think he, he doesn't feel athletic enough to hang out uh, with wings, but it, but to me, it looks like he does. Like he has a knack for staying in front. So I don't know if I would love to see that that shift as well. And hopefully, you know, they're obviously seeing the numbers we see. So maybe that'll happen. But and if you look at it, I mean, who's who spends the most time one through five dribbling the ball and like ball handling? Obviously, the one is the most, the two is the second most and on down the line. The further you push Roddy down the line, the less he has to dribble which to me, every time he puts the ball on the floor, I get a little nervous. But when he's slashing and getting to the rim and trying to finish, or when he has a wide-open three, like I'm less nervous, and I think he fits a lot better. So, I mean, yeah. the limited time, and maybe that's a skill that just needs to develop, and so we need to, like, and obviously I have a long-term perspective on any rookies that come through the Grizzly system. I'm, I'm judging them right now, but with the lens of the future is in mind. Mm-hmm. I just think, though, like, let's put these guys in positions where they're going to succeed the most, especially moving in the next two weeks when we might not have two of our best scores. Like, let's yeah. put the best product on the floor. Yeah, it, may, it makes me wonder if maybe Laravian practice is just the defensive concepts or something. He just isn't getting them as quickly because there does seem to be a trust. Like, when, in the Pelicans game, you know, uh, Jenkins surprisingly only played nine people and didn't play Laravian, right. which was very through me. And, and, and just makes me wonder if there's a level of – Roddy has kind of knows the system better sort of in I think a Grayson Allen type way that Grayson Allen just knew the system better than other players and was in the right place and so we always were playing him over Melton that drove me crazy so I think maybe that's some some of the stuff too is just Laravia is younger and it's just he's is taking a little longer but I I agree with you I want to see more Laravia playing time and I like I want to definitely see him playing a more of a wing position. So I'd love to see that. Um, one thing that, that I also saw, and this kind of, this happened in, in all three games, actually, <laughs> we wouldn't really talk much about the Washington game, yeah. but, uh, but one thing that I've thought is really cool is, is, and you pointed out recently how much better our defense has gotten the last two weeks. But what I've especially liked is that it seems like we've come out and done what we did a lot last year, which is, maybe give up more points than we want in the first half, but then really turn up the defense in the third and fourth quarter. And re- so like a lot of teams scoring, you know, high 50s, 60s, maybe even 70 something, but then coming out and only scoring 40, like basically 50 or less in the second half. And I feel like a Pelicans game didn't work out so well in that sense necessarily, but that it's been nice seeing, but I think even then we still played better defense in the second half in that game. Uh, but I've really enjoyed that. And I think that's moving now with Dylan and Jaron back. And I just think, again, young team, I think defensive systems, trust, even if you play with each other, it takes a little while in the season. I just, I continue to be hopeful that we're just going to get better and better defensively as the season moves on in that sense. Yeah, we're top 10 uh, in defense in the last two weeks. We were top three. But I realized today, that was yesterday, we were top three in the last two weeks. We went down to nine because the Charlotte game rolled off in the last two weeks. And that was, <laughs> yes. We held them to under 100 points, Entrance. which we also held two other opponents to under right. 100. Um, and so, yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, one other observation I have, and it just kind of falls in line with what we've been saying, but I wanted to add one more thing to it. 464 players have clocked minutes. Uh, in the NBA so far, if you look at the rankings of plus minus, Roddy's ranked at 453 out of 464. He has minus 90 cumulative. 
the one that surprised me, and it fits with what we've been seeing, Tyus is 447th out of 464 yeah. at minus 80. Tyus Jones has just not looked right no, yet. No, he's struggled this year. And so I worry that you put a guy who's been struggling in more of a role, but the bright side is in the games when Ja hasn't played, most notably last week in the Wizards game, Tyus was one of the best players on the floor in terms of just sheer numbers, but I think also you have him taking more of an ownership. Yeah. And also, he is a guy who historically, his usage has been really low uh, relative to everyone else on the team, but when you ramp it up, he tends to meet the moment right. in that way. So he's going to be more up and down. Mm-hmm. And he has had a very rough year so far. But let's hope maybe in the next week or so, if Jaws out, right. that he has time to kind of work right. out the kinks. And I think that's, you know, and and uh, he he particularly played very poorly in the Pelicans game, uh, was not aggressive on offense, and just got roasted so bad on defense that John ended up having to guard CJ. You know, that that uh, it's bad when we're having to, when, when, when we're putting jaw on somebody because Tyus can't do anything, that's always a bad sign. <laughs> it's not uh, a bad sign. You know, but some, and some of it was just like, you know, right, like, like I know Jaron and him miscommunicate on defense like twice, for C.J. McCollum, wide open threes. Uh, so some of it is just like all the players in and out now, new players in. and uh, But Tyus has been, to me, the biggest disappointment of the year so far, I think. I mean, because, Roddy, you expect that. Like, he's a rookie. But Tyus, we expected more from that. And and I think that uh, the hope is that in the same way as last year when Jaw went out, Tyus really stepped up and carried us while Jaw was out, and I'm hoping that happens. Um, yeah, a couple, I know, a couple other quick things for me was just, it continues to be, you know, and this is the Roddy thing going back to is that our bench kind of gets hammered. And I think that's going to continue. Um, unfortunately, especially as we get less and less depth, but, but that just, that's going to happen. But it's interesting. You know, I think kind of like we always talk about in the playoffs, our bench plays well at home, our bench plays very poorly on the road. Um, and I think that that's something we can see and hopefully our home crowd can bring us a few wins. We don't expect if we have both John Bain out for a while, uh, and the other just big thing, and I just say it, I know I'm a broken record, but, uh, but Dylan was plus 19 last night and, and honestly, uh, and if y'all don't follow the NBA, like outside of the Grizzlies SGA, I mean, people are giving him talking about MVP. He was averaging in the mid thirties, the last like nine, 10 games. And, and I think both Dylan, and I think kind of our system too, uh, I mean, we completely shut him down. And, and it wasn't just like, oh, he had an off night. I mean, it was a like, we're not going to let you get 30 points. Um, he was Dylan, struggling to he even was get struggling. to the 15. Yeah, like just getting – he just had low shot attempts. Um, we were doing a great job on him. And so that just goes back to – and it actually really encouraged me because uh, we did not have Dylan in the Mavs game. And in a similar way, the Thunder, you know, he's a very high-usage player, gets to the paint – and so it may encourage me that hopefully when we play the Mavs again with Luca and play other teams, uh, now that we have Dylan, that we can do much better kind of dealing with sort of that heliocentric one player with high usage type team. Uh, hopefully we'll do better um, against that. But that was that, that's just very encouraging because, you know, hope, you know, again, it's one of those things where like maybe Dylan will you know, shoot a little, I think he's even shooting poor for Dylan right now. So let let him get just slightly more efficient. Um, but it's he's definitely bringing the winning with the defense for sure because his plus minus numbers cannot be denied. Yep, in that sense, totally. Um, okay, let's get into this week's games and we'll spend a few minutes uh, on each of them. But first, our favorite game. Guess who? It is my turn to ask you the guess who 
of this week. Okay. Since you asked me about two players last week, I'm going to return the favor <laughs> uh, this week, and then we can maybe get back to our, uh, you know, one player or whatever. Uh, I don't really care. There's no rules with guests. Yeah, no We're making rules. it up as we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you look at this season so far, there are two players on the same team that we are going to be playing this week that are both in the top six in total minutes played so far this season. Okay, To give you perspective on how many minutes these two players on the same team have played, John Morant is leading the Grizzlies in minutes played so far. He is 57th on the list so far in the most minutes played this season. So the these two players have the highest uh, total in one team of minutes so far this season. And if I haven't vamped enough, I can vamp more. No. Or do you have a guess? I mean, uh, my guess... I mean, I want... So my I want to guess Kevin Durant, but then I'm wondering who the other... Uh, who the other teammate is, but he's actually um, just because I know like every time it seems like he's playing 40 minutes. Um, but I'm, is, so maybe I need, is Brooklyn the right team? Am I Brooklyn uh, is, is the, the correct, team. correct team. So, so I believe, so I want to say that it's Kevin Durant and then the other player would be, I'm trying to think, you know, who of the others, um, because it wouldn't be Joe Harris. It wouldn't be Mills. Uh, I don't think it's Claxton. Um, I'm trying to think of the rest of their starting five. So, am I right with Kevin Durant? You are correct with Kevin Durant. <laughs> he is second. He was as of yesterday. He was first in the league in minutes played, but Tatum yes. played last night, passed him slightly. Kevin Durant right now is second. Second. Yeah. Who is uh, sixth? Do you have a guess? I can I, reveal it if you don't. Yeah, I'm like I'm totally blanking on the rest of their roster. But, I mean, because I don't think it's Claxton. I don't think it's. Um, oh. I'll give you a hint. Oh no, is it is it, it's not a it's not Royce O'Neal. It's is Royce it? O'Neal. Oh, look at that. Royce O'Neal is number <laughs> six in minutes. And if you would have said that, might that, say everything about the Nets season more than everything. All the drama. 100%. Royce O'Neal sixth in minutes. So all the all of our <laughs> opponents upcoming this week, Brooklyn, Sacramento, and the Pelicans are all teams that we've played before. And yes. so um, I thought it would just be fun to introduce Brooklyn with the fact that like. The their second highest like played player yes. is Royce O'Neal, who number one wasn't on their team last year, right. and number two. I mean, if you look historically at his minutes, like he's never played this no, many minutes, and no. that's what's going on right now with the Nets. The big storyline, though, is that Kyrie Irving is finally going to be back, right. and it just so happens to be Monday night against the yes. Grizzlies. So, how are we feeling about Brooklyn? They're seven and nine right now. They're tenth in the East. 15th in offense, 21st right. in defense, 19th in net rating. What are we feeling about the Well, next game? I mean, what's interesting is we won last we the last we won the last game by outscoring them with John Bain. And you know, and everybody talked about it, a huge historic moment, four players, you know, all scoring I think over 35 points and uh and obviously this time it's going to be uh we are not going to be able to outscore that team if we get into a scoring battle but we are going to be able to massively out-rebound them and we're going to be able to mass uh i think play much better defense and protect the paint against them um unfortunately they have two of the best jump shooters that live so i so i mean i'm not feeling great about it but i also think it'll be it'll be an interesting kind of come together moments i'm really excited i mean this is going to be as far as you know, like 
you talked about soft front courts with OKC. Well, we got another one here. Uh, and also it's interesting to have Jaron back as somebody who, you know, he's actually been okay with fouls last two, but somebody who can potentially guard Kevin Durant um, legitimately, not just Dylan. Uh, so I don't know, but that's, I mean, that's what I'm thinking is we're going to, this is going to be one of those, if we can make the game in the mud to kind of use an old, uh, old cliche there, uh, I think we could have a chance just because they just don't have a lot of great players outside. Um, I will say they're a little, you know, they have Seth Curry back now, so they've gotten a little healthier and so it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, but but it'll be interesting to see us come out and obviously it's going to be a clash of styles compared to last time when it felt like an all-star game going back and forth. It's going to be, can we kind of control the game and control the boards? Type yeah. Game. I, I'm definitely nervous about this game because Brooklyn for all their struggles, uh, they do seem to be uh, stabilizing slightly just in terms of the, the uh, on the floor. Like they've won a couple games uh, since we saw them last and have looked pretty good doing it. Seth Curry has made a big difference there. Um, I, I Like you said, my, my notes that I had down was return to grit and grind because that's what's going to yeah. beat this team. And you have two guys in the paint, and Jaron and Steven, which nobody on their team can right. match up with. And so I think you feed the paint, try to get back to your spots. You can spread right. it a little bit with Jaron, but I'm looking for Jaron to have another big game if we're going to win this because yeah. we're definitely not going to win it we, in the uh, on the outside. No, yeah, I mean, I think if we win this game, it's because we have a couple guys go big that we're not expecting. And honestly, just the Nets look weird with like, it's going to be more about the Nets losing it than us winning it. I think this, I mean, the, of the three games we play this week, if going forward thinking we're not going to have John Bain, this is the one that I have the least faith in winning. Yeah. Um, because the other two are at home, which I think always just gives us a chance. Yeah. hundred percent. This would be, um, officially render our 10 game predictions, uh, Noel, because yes. it would be our fourth loss in, in the Tim Gaines but, stretch. So. But we were not, ex- we were, uh, I'll say this if we come anywhere close to seven and three after all the injuries we've had, um, that, that'll be like us going 10 and 0, honestly. That's why we do the predictions, folks, yep. to provide context. Okay. Yep. Second game is against the Kings. They are America's darling right now. Uh, I think that they have the, the coolest new tradition going with the the four beams, the <laughs> laser, laser beams beam. in the sky. I was googling before this podcast whether they've had any complaints <laughs> uh, from any like planes and pilots yes. flying around. Uh, because surely, I mean, you should look up Vivek's quote about this. It is absolutely hilarious. He's basically like, "Lasers are cool. That's why we did it." And apparently, I also saw this uh, that somebody in Hawaii is able you to see, see the, the beams. Purple, like, purple beams. I don't know if that's actually true i saw it on reddit so i, I yeah, mean who knows you know, who knows but i mean i want it to be true exactly so that's definitely the coolest uh tradition new tradition going shout out kings they're eight and six seventh in the west yeah. right now second in offense yeah 26th in defense eighth net rating right. they they i mean have the highest scoring game so far of the season dropping yeah. 153 on all these very nets that we just yes. talked about and luckily, we are playing them at home and not on the road, so we don't have right. to uh, well, and, and, see the beans and again, in person. And it shows, you know, um, when we win, when we beat the Kings there, it was like, yeah, we beat the Kings. You know, that was actually like, okay, good, we didn't lose to a bad team. Well, no, that's a that's a high quality win now. You know, like looking back, it's like that was a really good win at the Sacramento. And so I don't, I think, you know, I'm gonna think we can win every game at home except for maybe like. Against like a Bucks or a Celtics, uh, you know, just because it's home that we have a fighting chance, and so hopefully, you know, we'll kind of we'll play really good defense, 
and you know hammer on the boards and just play a good game. And I, I think and they don't really have anybody to deal with Jaron, um, you know, because I think or Jaron and Steven, because I think you know Sabonis can't guard both of them. So it'll be interesting to see how that all that works. And um, you know, I don't know. We we played them well there. So so hopefully we can we can play a good game. Yeah, um, Pelicans are closing out the week nine and seven. They're eighth in the West right now, seventh in offense, ninth in defense. They're playing very well uh, recently, sixth in net rating, and this is already going to be a revenge game. And I, I really hope, I mean, I don't know what the stats are. I need to look it up, but John Zion just can't seem to catch a break in terms of playing each other. I think the, I think it's true that they haven't played a game against each other since the 2020-2021 season. I'm pretty uh, sure that's true. If I'm not mistaken, yep. and it could very well continue the streak again um, against them. And so what are you thinking about that? I mean, the one thing I just, there's no way they're going to shoot like 19 for 38 again, um, because that was really the story of that game. I mean, again, going on the, go back to that big picture ramp. I mean, part of the big story of that game to me was just that they shot lights out and we did not. And just sometimes that happens. There's other little things, but, and so my hope is that they come back down to earth a little bit on their shot variance. And maybe we have a good shot variance game where some guys like Conchar and Santi Aldama shoot over 50% from three. Um, Again, I just think because of our home crowd and I do think, I do still think we're a pretty deep team. I think we can come in and compete with anybody at home. So the hope is kind of the revenge factor playing them for a second time and uh, that that we kind of make this one close. But this is going to be another tough one, I think. I'll be in the house, really excited to see it, and we'll definitely have that recap for you. Just to quickly tie a bow on these games, the Pels wins so far this season. One against the Nets, under five, they were under 500. They are under 500 right now. Hornets, terrible. Mavs, that was a good win. It was with Luka. Clippers, they beat the Clippers without Kawhi. They beat the Warriors without Steph. They beat the Bulls, who were under 500. They beat the Rockets, who were under 500. They beat the Grizzlies, who didn't have Bane, and it was the first game with Jaron uh, back. And then they beat the Bulls again, who were also under 500. Yeah. So, um, very weak schedule to start. Yeah. We also, I mean, we're, we're their, had a by weak far, schedule. I think we're their best quality win by yep. far. And they've lost to all the teams that you would expect to finish above them, except they also lost to the Lakers and the Pacers. And so it's been a pretty much like they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, losing to the teams that they're supposed mm-hmm. to lose to. A similar schedule uh, to us in that way. But just yeah. to just to say, I mean, like yeah. there haven't been any very important wins so far on their schedule. Right. And so uh, this could be yeah. an important game for both the Grizzlies yeah. and, and the Pelicans. And it's weird in that uh, Larry Nash Jr. and um, that, that their bench guys have been really good in closing a lot of games. And so the, the Pelicans still haven't really figured out that starting lineup doesn't seem to like really, they kind of struggle with a little bit, but it's kind of like their best players, quote unquote. And so, so they're still kind of struggling and figuring out what their rotations are and things too. And so hopefully we can catch them on a bad game. And definitely Steven Adams is not going to only play 13 minutes definitely, like he did uh, last Tuesday. So can I end this with uh, a hot take that I think you might share in sure. that we'd rather play the Pelicans with Zion than without Zion? I think that's true for me. Yes. Yeah. So for sure. I, because I, I think we... I think we kill. I think we beat teams that don't play good defense. And Zion is one of the worst defensive players. I mean, it's it's actually kind of sad. I mean, he's because he definitely feels like he has the gift set, but he he is becoming the Trey Young of forwards. Mm. Mm. Spicy. Well, this has been another edition of the Weekden Update. Again, if we have a jaw update, then you would have heard that earlier in the podcast. But if not, uh, we will be waiting with bated breath for that. Well, this has been a fun time. We'll see you next week then. For John, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us.